Duke Energy says the best way to avoid billing surprises is to track your use. Duke Energy customers who have a smart meter can sign up for a usage alert. Similar to data alerts you get from your cell phone company, a budget can be set for the amount of your monthly energy bill and receive notices when you're approaching your limit. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232. Energy presents Connecting Counties with your host Gus Piercy. A look at the economical, social, and educational decisions being made in Hendricks and surrounding counties and how they affect one another. And now your host, Gus Piercy. My guests today on Connecting Counties are sheriffs from Boone County and Hendricks County. Hendricks County Sheriff Brett Clark and Boone County Sheriff Mike Nielsen. Um, and I'm Gus Piercy. I'm a writer for the Lebanon Reporter and the Hendricks County Flyer. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here today. We're going to talk about countywide law enforcement and some of the issues that we have to talk about include uh, jails. Uh, sheriffs run jails. That's pretty much what they do in Indiana. And jail overcrowding is something that we've heard an awful lot about. So let's start with uh, Sheriff Clark. You could tell us about uh, the jail in Hendricks County and what you're looking at. And uh, I think both counties are getting ready to build uh, new jails or at least looking into it. Yeah, certainly a topic of discussion uh, across the entire state of Indiana. You know, Sheriff Mike and I work with the ISA pretty closely and have the opportunity to really discuss these same issues with sheriffs all across the state and it happens in every county and when you think about counties like Boone and Hendricks that are experiencing such tremendous growth I mean it's a good thing in a way right because people want to live in our communities because we have good government and nice roads and good schools and good law enforcement but there is a price that comes with being a metropolitan community and yeah. one of those is the increase in crime and while it's not off the charts I think the folks in all the PDs which are our partners and the other uh, surrounding counties have a great relationship with us, but it's still pushing us. Um, the Hendricks County Jail uh, was built where my office is in 1973. We went from the what is now the County Museum, believe it or not, to the current County Jail. Yeah. And in 1989 slash 1990, we added on a podular uh, expansion to our jail and took us to approximately 252 beds. Last year, we averaged in the Hendricks County Jail about 269 persons a day. So it's a constant issue. Uh, we're not going to build a jail next weekend, but it's certainly something that we've got to get talking about and planning so we don't end up in a situation uh, like Vigo County where you have some kind of a federal mandate that's telling you what you're going to build and where you're going to build it and how you're going to build it. Uh, it's a Hendricks County problem here. It's a Boone County problem in Lebanon, and these are the things that the people of those counties need to work out. Sheriff Nielsen, what about you and uh, the Boone County Jail? You know, we experience a lot of the same things, uh, Brett and I do, because of our proximity of uh, to where we're at in Indianapolis. I do want to take a step back and say thanks for having us today. I think it's real Absolutely. important for the uh, for the public to understand what the Office of Sheriff does, and it's not just taking care of the jails, right? Uh, we have enforcement, we have communications, we have civil process, we have court security. Uh, the Office of Sheriff really encompasses much more than just the jail. Now, the jail 
scale is a big part uh, of what we do. Uh, and from a liability standpoint, it is uh, a very high liability for us and for uh, the citizens of our county. So we are experiencing in Boone County that tremendous amount of growth. Uh, and, you know, we've got a city there that's the fastest growing city has been for, for quite some time now. And uh, we're along with growth comes crime. Along with crime comes more arrest. Uh, and those arrests, unfortunately, some of those end up in, most of them end up in our facility. And we are uh, not overcrowded at this point, uh, but we have uh, stretched to that point over the last couple of years. And we, uh, just like Sheriff Britt, uh, is we are out there looking uh, at what we need to do to try to uh, take care of that problem in the future. So one of the things that I'm very passionate about is the rehabilitation of the inmates. I think it's so important to have programs in our facility to, to help these folks fight the disease uh, of addiction. Uh, many of us, and Britt will testify to this <laughs> as well, many of us uh, have uh, these folks in our jails that um, have mental health issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and we now have become those folks that uh, in our jail, they detox in our jail. Uh, those mental uh, folks that are suffering from mental health issues and addiction issues end up in our jail. And that's so, primarily because most of the mental health hospitals were closed down in the 90s, right? It and, really and, is. And it kind of fell to the county enforcement and jails because there aren't central states downtown anymore it is but the, you know the picture's bigger because mental health and addiction are intertwined and and so we have to attack that so do i do i want to build another jail that's uh, 600 beds and we just lock people up and throw away the key that's not the answer um and as we evaluate this and do our feasibility studies maybe we should be looking at a additional 300 beds to add on to our 200 bed facility now um and then a, a transitional housing piece um and combine that with a uh, a, a true law enforcement center. We've got uh, the coroners, probation, uh, corrections. In Boone County, anyway, we're all separated. We're not together. So mm -hmm. is it time for us to look at bringing everybody together? Um, but as, as Brett said, you go to build a jail today, it is very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, the only way to that that to pay for that is through tax money and that's that's hard sell to the to the public um but we get stuck in that position of what do we need to do because we definitely don't want to get into an issue where we do have a federal mandate that we are overcrowded right but but you, i mean it's part of infrastructure if you want economic development you can't have it in a crime-ridden county right i mean <laughs> you can't you can't so you have to keep going and 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 building you, you build would you build where you, your jail is now brett yeah the beauty about Hendricks County is this is not the first time that folks have talked about building a jail, right? All of them, at least they were somewhat forward-thinking in that we knew at some point, the leadership of the past, that there would be a new jail required, right? I mean, they don't last forever. Um, the beauty of us having the new fairgrounds, which 10 years old now or 11, is that they moved that off the old fairground site, as you recall, was right next to the jail. The county still maintains that property, and the plan always was that in the event that we needed a judicial center perhaps at some point, or a new jail, that it would go on the grounds that used to be the Hendricks County Fair. So we are in a really good spot there, unlike some of the counties across the state who are locked on to town squares or land you know, grid in mm -hmm. certain areas, yeah. or have to shop that and buy that land, we are in a position that we can build right there on 
on county land that's already owned, and that's always been the plan. The problem is the plan was always studied and shelved, looked at, discussed, but it was easier to kick the can down the road because, again, it's very difficult sell to make that you need to build this. But it's important for the safety of the community, for economic development, just for peace of mind. It's a necessary evil in the community that, that really does help people because, as you said, that de facto mental health system, addictions, recovery, it's us. And we don't want to be that, but unfortunately we are. And it started way before the 90s, even back as far as the 1950s with deinstitutionalization because they wanted to get folks out of some of those homes and some of the horrific conditions that we, you know, we've read about from 50 years ago, but the problem is the community system didn't pick up the slack and there wasn't enough funding. So many of the homeless, especially in the bigger cities, not so much in our situations, but ended up in your jails. Persons with mental illness mm-hmm. co-occur with persons who have substance abuse who are trying to self-medicate, uh-huh. as uh, Sheriff Nielsen said. So it's a constant challenge for us really just to juggle how to classify the right people and for us to make sure that the folks in jail are really the ones that should be there, right? Because you can't just arrest your way out of it. It's cliche almost now to say that, but it's really true. Sheriff Nielsen, you have, um, you're doing a lot of counseling at your jail, right? Yeah, we actually went from having zero mental health services in our jail to having about 50 hours a week of mental health services in our jail. And then all of the other programs that come along with that, uh, the educational programs, the anger management programs, the drug counseling programs, that is so important for us to do. You know, one of the other challenges that we face, uh, we you just can't build a jail overnight, right? You've got to get the funding, you've got to <laughs> right, design yeah. it, you've got to do all the feasibility studies. And, and unfortunately, we're term limited. Uh, Britt and I, and are, we're in our second term, so we've got uh, three and a half years left. And then I don't know what his plans are, but uh, probably we're going to move on. And that, if we started building a jail today, designed to build a jail today, yeah. you're five years out, six yeah. years out. So we won't be around. We've got to make sure that there's people behind us that are going to take on that challenge and move forward uh, with, with what we started. Plus, you have to go through the county councils in order to get the funding. Is that correct? You, don't, you can't bond out yourselves you have to go you have to go through the county council which is seven member body that uh, regulates money from the county and commissioners right so because commissioners are over personnel and buildings and vehicles and those kinds of things your county council is a seven member board that is the fiscal body so it is going to be a collaborative effort between not just the sheriffs the councils and the commissioners but also all the players in the criminal justice system like your courts and your probation uh, to some degree even you know coroners and those kinds of things because a lot of folks in the county government are looking for space and we are a system, right? We're the criminal justice system. And the beauty of what's happened over the last four or five years is that those collaborations have increased, I think, like never before. I mean, oftentimes you would see folks in their silos. The courts do their things. Probation does their thing. We do our thing. And nobody was really talking. Uh, What I've seen really statewide is everybody now is talking. We're we're, we're starting to realize that unless we work together, we're never going to get any of this stuff done. So it's been encouraging, I think. It really has. And and the Indiana Sheriff's Association and, and the 92 counties uh, sheriffs across the the state have really came together uh, and started looking at some of these challenges not only um, amongst each other but from a legislative standpoint as well right we've got to make sure that uh, if we house level six felons then are we getting paid the right amount of money from the state to house those felons and Brett and I've been very uh, involved in in the legislature and working with Rob Carter from the DOC to make sure that uh, it is equitable for us to do that so 
there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that they wouldn't think uh, the general public don't realize or think of what a sheriff does, but a lot of it is business related. We're running a multi-million dollar business. So uh, who's in the jail? Who's in the jail to who's in the jails today? Are misdemeanors who get sentenced, people who get arrested, go to jail? Who all's in the jail? You talk about level six felons. That's kind of a new thing. They used to go to prison, right? Yeah, for the most part, the criminal code was rewritten in about 1415 and has evolved since then. And so you are seeing a, a totally new flavor in your jail. Um, we have persons that have committed felonies and been convicted that before would have gone to DOC or the Department of Corrections and are now serving time in the county jail. So that has sort of changed the flavor of the jail, if you will. I mean, we're built for pretrial, some sentenced persons. Um, and we're still way more pretrial than sentenced, I would say, probably across the board, most probably 70 30-ish in that area. But uh, again, the flavor is changing and, and there's different expectations when you have DOC sort of flavored prisoners with programming and, and, and mental and medical. It just raises the bar for things that jails honestly weren't built for. Um, so, so it's always a challenge. But if you ask, you know, who is in the jail, it's all the above. I think the top 10 offenses, we do a jail report every year for the commissioners. And in my most recent look, uh, strangely enough, it's theft, uh, persons who steal things to support drug habits, uh, possession of a hypodermic needle or syringe, and mm -hmm. then it's things like work release failure, probation violations, missing court, failure to appeal. So those kinds of things are really filling up my jail. I don't know about it in Boone County, and, but and, I would guess we're it's seeing be the, the same. same thing. We're seeing the yeah. same thing in Boone County, and, and you have this vicious circle of uh, this recidivism rate. Our recidivism rate is pretty high, and that's why we want to look at these programs. And so far, the last 12 months have been really promising as far as the numbers. But I'm a data-driven guy, so you really can't um, look at 12 months. you got to look at three years. We're, we're still two years away from getting some really good data, but initially the numbers look good that we're reducing that recidivism rate, and that's what it's all about. Um, and, Explain and, recidivism. So recidivism is basically... Uh, um, when somebody leaves our facility, uh, they end up creating another crime or a same crime and coming right back in. Uh, they're released. They've Br given their time. Yeah, so, they've done their so time. So Brett, Brett um, um, mentioned uh, failure to appear or yeah. um, probation violation. We see a lot of probation violations that they go out and then they go right back to their same environment. They use the drugs that they came from uh, and then they have a, a dirty test and then they end up right back in our facility or yeah. they, they create another crime. So that's that recidivism rate where they just keep coming back into our facility that we really got to look at that and we got to do something about that in order to make a difference is uh, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about the drug issue we're talking about opioid abuse and i know that is one of the things that you talked about theft in order to get the money for the drugs it, I, that's really been affecting law enforcement over the past five ten years um explain that is it getting any better are we seeing enough programs to stem that tide of opioid abuse and uh, the people that end up in jail because of it? Is that working? I think it is. I think nationally, if you look at statistics, you'll see some of those going down. Now, that is not to say that it's solved. The mission has not been accomplished. There's a lot of people dying. And what's different about this opiate thing is just that. There's always been a drug battle since any of us started in this police game, you know, 30 years ago or whatever it is for, for us. Um, 
but it is an ongoing thing. And the difference is the opioids are killing people. If you look at the statistical data, I think the number one cause of death for persons under 50 is drug overdose for yeah. the first time ever in the history of the country. It's really bizarre. But we're starting to see actually more meth cases coming out than we are opioids now. So it's making a comeback. And I don't know if it's because of the fear or the educational piece with all the, you know, the, the counseling and the drugs that are available to help people get off those problems. Um, but I think a lot of it started, if, you, or if you're talking historical perspective, with the prescription drug epidemic, because so many yeah. doctors were not right. educated properly on the dangers of these opioids, and they were convinced because of a study that came out a number of years ago that the only 1% of people got addicted. Well, we, we all know that was wrong, but it didn't stop people from prescribing it in every situation, from dentists to broken ankles to just pain in general, and it has led to this tremendous crisis. Law enforcement responds like we always do and did a fantastic job of shutting down pill mills and prescription fraud and a lot of those things, but that drove people into the cheaper street market of heroin, so it made a tremendous comeback that we hadn't seen probably since the 70s. Huh. And, and really, from a Boone County standpoint, I just met with the prosecutor and some of the other folks in Boone County. Um, we've got to change the way we look at these overdose deaths, right? Because somebody sold in that dope that might have been laced with uh, fentanyl and, and killed these folks. Now, these folks, it, it wasn't a choice for these folks. Uh, many people argue that. I honestly believe that it's a disease. So these folks died, and we need to hold those people accountable. Uh, so there's a statute out there now that allows us to do that, uh, overdose um, dealing, uh, causing death. And uh, we want to charge these folks murder that are dealing this this dope. And I think we start doing that along with the programs. I think we, real, we, we really will make a big difference. I would have never thought in my career that I'd have to carry around Narcan. Uh, uh, and, yeah, and my deputies exactly. would have to carry around Narcan. Uh, so, yeah, we've seen that. Um, and we've seen it go from meth to heroin to meth again. Um, and unfortunately, uh, we just got in a pursuit. Uh, Hendricks County got in a pursuit last night, ended up in, in Boone County. We ended up down here. Um, uh, there, there's all types of things now that we as, as sheriffs and, and uh, municipalities have to work together in order to overcome this. I'll be honest with you, uh, this drug problem, uh, caused one of my deputies deaths uh, a little over a year ago it all started because of a, a drug uh, deal and um, I will blame drugs I will blame uh, those folks that did that um, till the day I'm no longer on this earth um, but that's what started that that uh, chain of events uh, over a year ago and not only those people that have the issues are dying but other good people like Jake that gave his life are dying uh, sure. to, to protect the citizens of our county and Jacob Pickett who was from Brownsburg and yeah. uh, served on the Boone County Sheriff's Affected Department. Affected both of our communities very, yeah. very deeply. Yeah, it's uh, really, really sad, and I'm sorry about that. But the, is uh, are the meth labs a thing of the past? I I, 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 I heard once that it was coming up from Mexico. It's so easy to come up from Mexico that the meth labs that used to blow up as you know. That, that's kind of a thing of the past. Are you, are you seeing the lab? To some extent, especially locally, we never really had a big number of those here. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's because we're so close to Indianapolis. But now some of the rural sheriffs will tell you that they still see them in the state, right? So it certainly has not gone away. But the Mexican importation of those drugs, I think, is where almost all of ours that, that our drug guys are seeing are coming from. You know, that's from the south via Indianapolis. Well. Yeah. Or so, Chicago. Or, yeah. And, the, and 
Chicago's a big deal too, right? I mean, they're yeah. coming down 65. Sheriff Nielsen, you're dealing with this kind of stuff on a regular basis. Every, every single day we deal with that. We've started a criminal interdiction team now that does nothing but go out and focus uh, on making sure that the human trafficking, the drugs, the criminal activity that are taking place on 65 and some of those major thoroughways uh, we're, we're attacking the best we can. Uh, and you have to be proactive. That's the only way you're going to stop this from uh, coming through. But there's drugs between Indianapolis and Chicago, Chicago and Indianapolis. Uh, we see it on 74, which is part of uh, yeah. Henrys County as well. Um, we yep. see it just literally everywhere. I, I was uh, I just did a story about the interdiction unit, and they caught that Tyren Barnes from Lafayette that had yes. some warrants out on him and everything, and that. So that's one of that proactive stuff, and it is. that's exactly what you what you need to see. So the future of law enforcement outside of the jails because we've already talked about that um you have dash cams sheriff nielsen we have dash cams we have body cams they're linked together uh we don't have to turn them on and off i think uh the henry's county sheriff's office now use the same system that we do uh that technology has come so far in the last couple of years uh they're we don't have to worry about turning them on um they're activated as soon as we open a door hit our lights uh if if our officers fall they're activated if they start running they're activated there's all different types of things that uh, that smart technology brings to uh, body cameras and we've been very pleased uh, with with having those and we've had them just over a year what's the philosophy on body cameras dash cams and all that kind of stuff I mean what what's the philosophy how does it help law enforcement is it visual evidence in a trial or I mean yes absolutely it's a great tool for us and I think at first there was some reluctance especially some of the older officers I'm sure Sheriff Mike would be the same way right you, it, it is intrusive and it's not something that especially the older guys were used to but 99% of the time it, it exonerates right sometimes people say well this officer was rude or I didn't like this or that occurred we have the ability now to look at that and it's not just using that it certainly is a great aid for criminal prosecution and those kinds of things but it's a safety tool because sometimes when people see that and it's, it's not a hidden thing it's very out in the open and we're very open that we do it we use the same system as Boone County because it's the best I think by the way it's very good Thank you. Um, but people see that and they know that, that we're not messing around. And as far as the future of law enforcement, it's very bright. I know the folks that we're hiring today are really amazing. And we have very strict policies and, and as in-depth of hiring as we can do to make sure that these guys have character and training and that they're here for the right reasons and that we as administration can see them through to the long haul, right? Because it's not just about good hiring. It's about good training. It's about retention. And it's about the wellness of those folks so they can have a good long-lasting 25 or 30-year career serving our folks and then retire with good mental health intact and good memories and, and safe, right? That's what we push for too. So you're getting candidates to apply Apply, uh, that's not a problem. Has that been a problem? I mean, it's, it's not with unemployment at three and a half percent, it right. could be difficult to get the right people. It's absolutely a challenge, but the right people do step up, and, and they, they do it because we have leaders like Mike, and I, I would like to thank the, the folks on our staff that, that are setting the bar extremely high. So, so to work at our agencies is an honor, and, and we want it to maintain very high standards so that the persons who come with us are professional and the community can be proud of them, and they want to stay there for a career. But I, w I will say that when, I mean, 
Brett and I have been doing this for a very, very long time. <laughs> and when we did it, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to put on this uniform and make a difference. I think that that, that philosophy, that culture now uh, is not the way it used to be. Not everybody wakes up and, and goes to grade school and says, I want to be a police officer. And, and I think it's because of the, the way that things have changed, the police officers that are getting killed. Uh, you know, we see things that we can't on see. Uh, last year, we lost 148 officers in the line of duty, but 160 officers were taken by their own hand. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is astonishing. We have to change the way that we're doing business. And these folks that um, we deal with every single day in the last two years, for me, my personal adversities, those things that our department has gone through, we've seen how emotionally it affects folks. And uh, we've put officer wellness programs in place to, to help that. But when Brett and I started in this business and, and most of our career, tough, that right? wasn't there. It's tough. It man, wasn't right? there. You had to be a buddy. tough man. You got a gun. <laughs> yeah. Deal it, deal with it, right? Perhaps, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, so that that is something that I think is becoming even more important as we start to see how uh, deputies and police officers are affected by law enforcement. And so, talk about a little bit, maybe about some wellness programs that uh, giving opportunities for officers to speak to counselors and that kind of thing is that what we're talking about well i'll tell you what we did and and it's only through my own personal adversities over the last three years but um if if we wouldn't have had the things that happened to me uh and affected me the way they've done uh, we wouldn't have had the officer wellness programs in place when we lost jake and what i can tell you is that uh, we have a contracted mental health therapist uh, that specializes in emdr and specializes with first responders uh, on staff. Um, and, and we are paying, uh, no matter what that is, we are paying for, uh, those officers, the corrections officers, uh, communications officers to see this person, no matter, uh, what, I don't know how many, uh, who's seeing her, but what I can tell you is I get a bill once a month and that bill is number 250. That bill is number 221. Uh-huh. And so, it's very confidential, Good. but what I can tell you is that we have today 28 people currently in therapy in my office. 28 people. I'm afraid out of staff of how many? Out of staff of 105 uh, volunteers. We have so 155. 25 percent. And if we didn't have those programs in place, I don't know where we'd be. It may be a much bleaker uh, Boone County Sheriff's Office, right? Um, and it's only because of what we've experienced that we've been able to put that together. Um, and that's really important for people to understand. Um, we've got to make sure we take care of our mental health, um, emo- uh, emotional issues just as much as we do staying physically in shape. Yeah, absolutely. Sheriff Brett? Similar. Then physical fitness is a big focus of ours, right? So we have a nice gym for the folks. We have the EAP through the county or employee assistance. Now, we, I don't know that we have the depth of a person on staff, but we certainly have access to uh, counselors through either our jail, our medical staff, or through the county, through the EAP in St. Vincent's. So that's normally how we handle those kinds of things. But a lot of it, I think, just comes from the top because the folks will model the behavior of the bosses. So we try to put a focus on mental wellness. We try to put a focus on families. We try to put a focus on uh, leadership, education, and wellness classes like that for the whole agency, not just the police, but like Mike said, everybody from you know the jail officer to the secretary yeah. to the dispatcher to the guy who cleans the building and works on the maintenance in the place. So Oh, and by the way, I'm one of those 28. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm seeing that therapist weekly, and, right. and that has really got me through some very tough times. So um, it's, it's, it's very important, very important. What is the um, 
So I've heard being a sheriff is an administrative type job and it gets you away from the law enforcement. Are you guys still, uh, how are you still involved in law enforcement and what you were doing when you were road warriors? Uh, it definitely is different, but it's not just enforcement or rather administration, right? I mean, it's about whatever you want to make it. I mean, the beauty of being the sheriff is you wear a lot of different hats. Um, certainly all of our folks that work from us from the newest deputy gets to wear a bunch of hats. But as a sheriff, there's 3,000 of us across the entire nation. It's the only elected law enforcement position ever. And it's, it's a real honor to do it. But depending on the size of the county, I suppose the bigger ones, and we would probably be bigger ones as far as the state goes, uh, do a little bit more administrative because we have larger areas and people, right, that we deal with. But there are like sheer that, numbers of people in the jail. It well, causes population, some administrative, not necessarily, but some of the big counties like ours, or, or especially Marion or Lake, or some of those would have a lot more administrators and that kind of duties compared to a very small county where the sheriffs maybe still be taking runs on the street. Now, does he get out and patrol? Probably some, because he likes to be with his folks, just like we do, right? Now, do I go out and patrol on a daily basis like I did as a street officer? Of course not, because we have meetings and budgets and lots of things that we have to deal with. But I think if you lose touch a little bit with the guys and forget where you came from, then it's probably time to retire. So I know how this guy across from me does, and I try to do it. It's very difficult to find time to get out. But just interacting with the troops and seeing them on the, the street and having an open-door policy is important just to keep us grounded, I think. How are you keeping? I, I can't add much more to that except for the fact that you know he uh, uh, I, I, he does the same thing that I do. He he's got to be out there working those streets when he can. I, I went in when I first got elected uh, in 2015, going, I'm going to work the road once a day, right? Because I don't want to forget where I came from. Well, that worked for about a month, and then you it's get dragged into everything else. Yeah. Uh, so it's very very difficult. So I don't work the road as much as I do now. I've vowed to myself in my second term here that I'm going to start. Start working the road more and more and start trying to bring up those folks within my office to take my job over, right? Um, so that when I leave, I know that everything's just going to kind of flow uh, in that same direction that uh, we've we've set that vision and that five-year strategic plan. So my ultimate goal is to to kind of take this, this next three and a half years and work more on the road than I do administratively and try to free up some of that administrative stuff uh, to give to my chief deputy and, and my third in command. That's my goal. We'll see how that works. Term limits. Eight years, that's it. Does that hurt continuity at all? Absolutely. It's a big challenge, and it always has been, right? And I don't think there's a flavor in Indiana for getting rid of term limits, but uh, that topic is something that I am going to get active in because I think that there needs to be a relook at that. And it's been changed over history. If you look in Indiana, the sheriffs in the 1816 yeah. Constitution right. served two-year terms. That was changed in about 1952 to the current four-year term-limited system. There was always limits, but it used to be two, no more than two two-year terms in six years. Now it's no more than two four-year terms. Uh, in 12. Um, so there are term limits. It, but the thing is, it's not like it used to be, I suppose, 100 years ago. This job is technical. I mean, it takes you a little bit of time, even guys like us who came from within the sheriff's office, to really get a good handle on what you're doing. And you know what you get to do about the time you really get a grasp on it? You get to run another election. And then as soon as <laughs> yeah. you win that election, right. everybody starts talking about who the next guy or girl is going to be. And then so you have to spend the rest of your time trying to stay relevant and keep your staff focused, I assume, going forward um, to, to keep that continuity. But it is a real challenge, and I think it's something that Indiana needs to look at really closely for all the elected officials who are constitutionally limited to term limits, like your auditor. I mean, some of the things the auditor does, very in-depth, very numbers-driven, very technical, and you can't just 
swap that out all the time. And again, again, something I would not push for is unlimited terms, but maybe two sixes, maybe three fours, so the person in the office can get more done and get more accomplished. The beauty about an Indiana sheriff that's different from all the others in the country, there's about three states that are term limited the way we are. Some local jurisdictions do it. But it forces you to be focused. I mean, he and I have been to conferences with guys who have been the sheriff for 25 years in a row. Their focus has got to be different than ours because we have to go 120 all the time because the clock is ticking, right? Guys have those retirement clocks. And it's not because they're counting down the days to get out. Right. It's because they're counting down the days of I've got stuff to do and I've only got X amount of days to do it in, right? So for me, it's, it's a driver to think, man, we got to hit the ground running and we got to leave office still going 120 miles an hour if we're going to do this job effectively because the only way to do it in Indiana. So it is a, a super hindrance for all the constitutional offices that are restricted, in my opinion. And you same way? Yeah, but you're sort ready. of, sort of. But but one of the things that I think, uh, and we are one of three or four states that that still have those limits. Um, it, it depends on what you go through in your first term and then your second term, right? Because um, I'll be honest with you, I am emotionally and physically worn out. So so how much more could I do? Can I do another term if I chose or if if it was legal to do that? Uh, I don't know if I choose to do that. So yeah. uh, I think yeah. it depends on the person. It depends on the drive. It depends on what you've accomplished in your first and second term. So I have really mixed emotions about whether we should be term limited or not. My guest today on Connecting Counties has been Hendricks County Sheriff Brett Clark and Boone County Sheriff Mike Nielsen. Thank you and have a great month. This has been Connecting Counties with your host Gus Piercy presented by Duke Energy. Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. And if you have a smart meter, check online to see if a daily usage analysis tool is available. Smart meters collect usage information by the hour, so checking spikes throughout the month, by the day, and even the hour can show what appliances and behaviors are increasing your bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232.